calling all veterans of North Idaho. Ready for some free food and great conversation? Mark your calendars for 0800 on September 17, 2022 to be at Lake City Church in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho for the CDA Rotary Club Veterans Breakfast. Enjoy pancakes, meet local veterans. Stay tuned for more information later in this podcast. Welcome to the Veterans Club Podcast, a production where veterans and community meet and thrive. We talk with veterans about their life and military service and to veterans organizations about their community service efforts. We've joined forces with the Baby Boomers Radio Network to help increase the reach of veterans and their heart for service. With your help sharing these episodes, we can reach more people and change more lives. Thank you for tuning in, and thank you to our veterans for their service to country and community. So I'm here today with my friend, Joe. Joe, thanks for taking some time to talk with us today. Well, uh, it's my pleasure. Uh, One of the more enjoyable parts of my life and my career was my time in the military from 1963 to 1967, almost 1968. So tell us about your military service. Uh, what did you do? Um, what was it like, etc.? Well, <clears throat> we grew up, my two brothers and I, at a time in Redondo Beach, California, when Sputnik had just been launched. Uh, science at school became a major part, a major push. They didn't call it STEM at the time, but we were all very excited. Uh, As a result of that, when I began getting uh, ready to go in the military, uh, things were really getting interesting in space and all. So I uh, was working on the Skybolt program at Northrop Aircraft in Hawthorne, California. And that was an anti-missile missile defense system that Canada and the United States had signed an agreement and President Kennedy was pushing for it. Well, while I was at uh, in junior college, I said, well, I'm going to go to work because that Skybolt program was canceled and I lost my job in November of uh, 1962. And my brother and I, we were all working for Northrop Aircraft. So we're sitting around and we were saying, what are we going to do next? And we all decided to go in the Air Force as a big group, 21 of us. Wow. Within the Air Force and uh, on what they called the buddy system at the time. And uh, we all went in on March 1, 1963, to basic training down in Lackland, in San Antonio, Lackland Air Force Base was the major uh, training center for all Air Force people. Why did we pick the Air Force? Because we thought it was the service at the time to be the most exciting uh, opportunity for a career. Remember, this was pre-Vietnam War, 1963. Uh, things were really hopping in the scientific field. So uh, I entered the Air Force and went to Texas, got trained, and uh, got my share of harassment from the training officers and and, uh, sergeants, and then was sent 
because our scores were pretty high, they selected us to go into a career of science and technology out of the millions or thousands of Air Force guys. I was one of the fortunate ones to go directly into electronic training. And electronic training school was in Denver, Colorado at Lowry Air Force Base there. So that's kind of how it all started. So how old were you then when you went into the military? It sounds like you were college age. I was 19. You were 19. Okay. What, yeah. what, was, the, what, what was the eye-opening moment when you realized, I'm no longer a civilian, I'm in the military? What, what was transpiring? Well, uh, think back. This is 1963. Uh, we were 19 or 18. Uh, we got on an airplane in Los Angeles at LAX. And when that plane took off to go to basic training in Texas, it was the first air flight that any of us had ever been on. And we were very excited on takeoff and we get you know, we get the thrill of our life. And then the reality set in when we arrived and the uh, training instructors picked us up at the airport. And that's when <laughs> that's that was our revelation that this is <laughs> this is in Kansas anymore. <laughs> Did you have any regrets early on? Uh, well, I remember you, you talk about it. I remember when when I got to uh, basic training to the the processing center, I remembered that it, it didn't seem like there was any individual identity at that time. Then, you know, we were just a number in the crowd and there were hundreds of us. And I and I felt even though I've got a bunch of fellow soldiers here, I, I, I think that was one of my loneliest times that I had ever had. Well, what was your experience? Well, remember, we 21 of us out of the put they put us all in the same barracks. So my brother was there, too. He was one year older. Uh, I wasn't lonely. Uh, so I felt like you I, when I got my first haircut right down to the scalp. I said, this is this is getting serious. And then they issued us our uniforms and we were uh, often running with the training. I did have a couple experiences. I don't need to dwell on it, but everybody remembers every moment of basic training. Uh, I don't care how old you are. <laughs> and your listeners probably will, will something will be triggered that uh, sticks with you forever. Now, from your military time early on, let's start with the first part before you get to your permanent duty. But what memories do you have from the, that experience that you carry with you today? Well, after uh, our basic training, we were shipped to Denver and uh, we were in electronics training uh, to be uh, Air Force downrange tracking people uh, for uh, telemetry uh, on both missiles, satellites, any kind of uh, tra uh, tracking. And so we were working on all this gorgeous gear. and. Uh, at night, we went to school. So we worked all day and uh, went to school from five o'clock till 10 o'clock at night to get our electronics training, which was basic electronics uh, gearing us up for more elaborate future uh, 
technology, which kind of, it, it was intense. It was college level electronic uh, well, and training. Well, it, it was still being invented at the time, right? Yeah. Well, uh, no, uh, we had been, our missile uh, defense system and our offensive and defensive missiles were all deployed. Some underground missiles in North Dakota and Wyoming and all. So we thought it was pretty advanced at that time. Little did we know what was going to happen in the next three, four years while I was serving uh, in the Air Force. So, uh, but we got a good start in uh, in electronics, and I didn't know what a capacitor was. And uh, now I <laughs> I got introduced to small capacitors for radio to huge capacitors for uh, military weapons. So from your military time, what, what would you feel was kind of the, the, the transformation from youth to adulthood? What, what was the experience that the military brought that you carry to this day? Well, uh, I thought for sure being a science major in junior college, uh, engineering and science, that ultimately I was absorbing all this training and education to use in a, in a, a career of engineering and science. So all of this played into my long-term goals uh, when I got out of the service. Uh, but I had no idea when they selected us to go to our permanent assignment that I was going to go to a research lab. The Air Force Weapons Lab in Albuquerque, New Mexico was the top program. Uh, the Army has the same, and they were right next to us in Albuquerque, Sandia uh, Army Research Center. So we're cooperating across a, a desert uh, that was sort of like White Sands. Little did we know both White Sands where the nuclear, the first nuclear weapon was detonated. And we were dealing with uh, Los Alamos, New Mexico, where the bomb was designed. So all of this kind of transpired into uh, like something, wow, I was the luckiest guy in the world to be a scientist working uh, on uh, ultimately on lasers. And uh, so I, I was leaving Denver, I was going to Albuquerque, and I had no idea what I'd be doing. And when I arrived at the base, they took me directly to this laboratory facility. And they said, you're being assigned to a secret laser weapon system which had a guard at the door. <laughs> and I go, okay, 24-7 uh, guard meant something pretty substantial or pretty important. Uh, but I was introduced to all of the scientists were PhD, physicists, chemists, uh, you name it. And I go, wait a minute, these guys are not much older than I am. Well, the reason they were there was the war in Vietnam had just broken out big time and the draft was instilled, set up to, to bring, to draft everyone of that age. 
including PhD scientists from all the best colleges in the United States, including uh, Stanford and Caltech and all. So uh, I got introduced to all these second lieutenants and the, the highest rank was a first lieutenant and they were my bosses. And I was their scientific technician. And they said, well, come on in. Here's the first laser weapon system ever built. And it was built by Westinghouse, shipped to New Mexico and used for all kinds of scientific experiments. And my job was to work with the, the laser rods, the ruby crystal that was grown synthetically to keep all the electronics and to take care of all the equipment so that we could do various scientific experiments. And the experiments were all top secret. Sure. From the standpoint of your military service, now, it, you know, advanced 67, you said you got out of the service? Uh, January of 67. 67. So you got out of the service in 67. Um, and then you moved back into the civilian life. What was that transition like? Cause, I mean, we're still deep in the Vietnam War at this time. Yeah, in 1967, uh, my brother was in Vietnam. My other brother was in Thailand. They would not let me during my four years in the Air Force go to Vietnam. So I was offered to become an officer and go uh, to college to get my uh, bachelor's degree. And they would have uh, loved to give me a bonus and everything. But I met a gentleman who is uh, a scientist for Aerospace Corporation who came to Albuquerque to be part of our, our experiments. We did experiments for uh, the aerospace company. He came and recruited me into a scientific position at the company. Uh, those were the, the two biggest companies building satellites and, and weapons systems were uh, Aerospace Corporation and TRW. Uh, so uh, I said, uh, sure, I'll come to work for you. What's the pay? <laughs> well, the pay was excellent. And I went to work for them from 67 to 69 while I finished my bachelor's degree at Cal State Long Beach. Are you a veteran? Do you live in or around Coeur d'Alene, Idaho? Then mark your calendar for 0800 on September 17, 2022 for the CDA Rotary Veterans Breakfast. Enjoy a free pancake breakfast, meet other veterans, and build new relationships. Sponsored by the CDA Rotary Club, Super One Foods, Black Sheep Sporting Goods, Pilgrim's Market, Killer Burger, Angelo's Italian Restaurant, Triple B Guns in Coeur d'Alene, and Zenith Exhibit Studios. Each veteran in attendance is automatically entered in a free drawing to win great prizes from our sponsors. Please visit theveteransclub.org to RSVP for the Veterans Breakfast. If RSVP and VIA website is not your cup of tea, then please call me at 208-209-7170 and I can take your reservation over the phone. It's important we know how many veterans are going to be in attendance, so we order and prepare enough food for everyone. I look forward to meeting you on September 17th at Lake City Church off Ramsey. God bless and thank you for your service. 
So here I am a scientist, but I don't have a degree in science because I had bottom or reached my limit on calculus and some of the higher math courses. So I began thinking, what would be a good career path now if I'm not going to be a PhD scientist and use all this experience? What would I like to be? And I chose the field of law. And I uh, went right from Aerospace Corporation after two years and getting my BA degree, went uh, right into law school at uh, University of Southern California in Los Angeles. And my intent was to become a patent attorney, which is as close to being a scientist as you can and also be an attorney. And that, that uh, left me on a trajectory for a wonderful life, a wonderful career. Looking back on your military service, if you had an opportunity to talk to your younger self or, or maybe one of your grandchildren, what would you tell them to encourage them to, to join the military or take part and serve some, some time in the military? Uh, I am a very big proponent of military as a career path, aside from college and aside from the trades, the military is a wonderful way to get training and get discipline and get direction in your life. So I talked to every young person and I have been about, you know, I, I'm, I'm uh, kind of spoiled because I was in the Air Force. I was not sent into combat uh, like my, my brother and my son. My son is a Marine. My, my brother was Air Force, but he ended up in Vietnam in Da Nang and uh, it was a very dangerous exodus for him from Vietnam. So uh, I would say, wow, someone's going to give you a free education and uh, all this training and pay you. Uh, yeah, that's a good option coming out of high school or out of college for that matter. So it was the best decision I ever made to go in the Air Force when I did. And, uh, you know, uh, I will always look back on that as being a good, uh, a good time in my life. Now, you're retired now and, and you're you're part of a, a, a civic group in in the town that you live in. You're a Rotarian, but you're also very active with a veterans program. Tell me a little bit about your involvement with veterans since you've been retired. Well. I've always been close to the military ever since I left uh, in 1967. Uh, one way or the other, I've always worked for organizations and companies that had contracts with the United States government. In fact, uh, I uh, spent 10 years with floor engineers and scientists uh, uh, and they ran 22 bases around the, the world. And so I got to go after uh, a long period of time as an attorney, I got to go and, and do voluntary work for them. Uh, actually uh, did a lot of uh, wounded warrior programs. So I, I joined all these charitable organizations to help veterans, uh, both wounded veterans, and one of my goals was to get them hired at our company. So they gave me this whole program to hire as many 
wounded warriors and others who needed jobs when they came out of the military uh, in Iraq or in Afghanistan. And so I would fly down to various bases, give them a check for all the, the burned warriors, the warriors who had amputations. And I would go, and the first thing those veterans said to me, Joe, give me a job because I'm disabled. I need someone to uh, use my skills. And uh, so we hired 500 veterans over a, a couple years at the company. Wow. Yeah. So that was, uh, that was up until uh, recently, uh, and probably still going on. My goal was to get all the big corporations, Floor, uh, General Dynamics, Lockheed, all of those companies I met with to get them together to contribute to wounded warriors and to uh, the uh, young children of uh, that were uh, uh, their, their father was killed in Iraq, Vietnam, I mean, uh, Afghanistan, and they uh, they met. We brought all the children together two or three times a year in Disneyland or Disney World. And so I, I kept very busy with veteran activities and for the families of veterans of my entire career. What do you think are some of the things that veterans need the most now that I mean, we look at society and you hear the, the horror stories about the VA? Um, me personally, I've had a, a, a very good experience with the VA, but we hear these horror stories. We hear 500,000 veterans who are homeless. We hear all of these, these tales that veterans are struggling with. From your vantage point, being so active with the veteran community, what do you feel veterans really need? What, what, are, they, what are they wanting? The number one thing, uh, my observation is they want camaraderie, they want friendship, and they want the ability to uh, keep in touch of uh, their fellow veterans on a local community-wide basis so that if you don't go out to have coffee with them every day, you know all your friends who are veterans uh, if they don't show up for a cup of coffee, you call them. You you arrange to meet periodically to do something uh, as a as a community to uh, honor the best of the best of the veterans. And you also uh, don't want to forget the quietest ones because they're when you move uh, get together the quiet ones are the ones who need that camaraderie and that togetherness. So uh, don't forget the guy who doesn't show up for a while because he's probably either depressed or in the hospital or something, but he did not show up that day for coffee. And we should all make sure he's okay. For the veteran who is kind of feeling alone, feeling like there are no resources, what, would, what advice would you give them on how to get plugged in, how to get connected with other veterans. What would you say to the veteran who's currently sitting at home? Wow, there's so many resources in each community. We're lucky in the state that we live in to have excellent resources, 
both from the VA. I'm very positive about the VA experiences I've had. There are organizations that provide darn near everything that is needed by a uh, individual veteran or a veteran who is uh, uh, maybe not the best of health, but needs something positive in their life. Take care of all those resources. We have a good uh, media outreach to help bring veterans together. All I can say is pick up the phone, pick up your cell phone, and uh, just reach out. And within a day, somebody from one of these great organizations will call you. And uh, so just uh, you need to be a little, to take some initiative. And uh, that's all I could recommend. So let me first say thank you for your service. Greatly appreciate what you've done for a country, um, what you continue to do for the community and the veterans that, that live in our community. Do, do you have any final thoughts that you'd like to share with the listeners before we wrap up? Anyone who uh, wants to have a strong country uh, we need to support our military, both active, uh, recruiting, and, uh, and retired and, and veterans uh, need to be, continue to be honored and supported by our government, by our citizens. Uh, they paid a significant price. And all I can say is that we need a strong support system for our military and our veterans. Well, Joe, thank you so much for your time today. Oh, you're very welcome. My honor. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you have enjoyed the episode, please click the subscribe button and get notified when new episodes are published. Please take a moment to share these episodes with a friend. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or have something to share with the community, please email info at theveteransclub.org.